You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. Good morning, good morning. Got all that honor, got to give it back now. It's a lot of honor, man. I do honor this church and honor your pastor and his lovely wife. What a wonderful, wonderful uh, shepherd that you have. Um, He is very Christ-like himself and like a father figure to any who will listen to him. So much wisdom and by his side, a a lovely and gracious wife. I am also uh, blessed to have my wife here this morning and my mother-in-law and father-in-law are in the building and my children as well. Can we pray together before we begin? Father, I thank you for this opportunity that you have gifted me with, and uh, this is not my podium, not even my time or my message, God, it's yours. I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would allow your anointing to be heavily upon me and not just me, but on your people as well. Move everything out of our hearts and minds that don't belong. Everything that would try to steal this word from us, God, everything that would bring us offense, God, take it away that you might plant within our hearts a righteousness that belongs to you, a faith that belongs to you, and a hope that belongs to you. I pray, God, that as we hear these words, we are stirred with unity, stirred with togetherness, and most importantly, stirred with love. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What an honor it is to be here this morning. They offered me a donut this morning. I don't know if that was a police thing or something they do (laughs) every Sunday, but I declined it. I was strong, although I do have the ability to eat a powdered donut with a black shirt on and not get one crumb on it. Yes, I am very skilled in that. Yeah. However, I was not called for that hat. Uh, I've been called to speak a word to you from the Lord, and I believe that he has given me a word for his people. Doesn't it feel good to be his people, the people that are called by his name? And we've got power in this earth. We are the strongest force in this earth. I know that there are nuclear weapons here, and they are, we are outnumbered sometimes by soldiers and outnumbered by evil, but yet... We have the most power in the universe because we have a father, a common father. Jesus told the disciples, when you pray, say our father, meaning unity, meaning that we share a father with Jesus Christ. That means that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And today's message is entitled Christ, our common unity. And that's a play on words for community. Christ, our common unity, because it is Christ that makes us one community. Yes, we are diverse, and yes, we have different races and nationalities and incomes and live in different neighborhoods, represent different schools, but yet we all belong to Christ. 
And when we remember that, we do not allow prejudices, we do not allow ignorance, we do not allow any of those things to creep in between and divide us because we remember that when we look up to the heavens, we worship the one creator and the one true Lord and his name is Jesus Christ. And he purchased our salvation, our, not just mine, not just yours, but ours. So, our differences proved to be no match then against our unity in Christ. Together, we are a powerful expression of the love of God to a desperate world. Lime Up community, as defined by your core values, you are, consist of three things. Uh, your identity. You are a Christian people. You are a holiness people, and you are a missional people. And I got that from your website. You should go there. It's pretty nice. Um, and I commend you for those three things because you have some brothers and sisters across town at New Life Christian Ministries that believe the same way. So we are not just another church across town. You see, you are the church and we are the church because there is only one church. So there is no us versus them. There's only an us. We are collectively the church. When Jesus looks down and looks at us all, he doesn't see divisions by church name, by denomination, by skin color. He says, you are mine. And the reason that he can say you are mine is because he died on a cross to save us all. He didn't say this drop of blood is for this group and this drop of blood is for that group. He bled and died for us all to become one. And the sooner we begin to become one again, the stronger the force in this earth we will be. The devil did much in 2020 to divide us politically and to divide uh, us by, you know, cops against this and just so many groups you could join, so many different trumpets you could pick up and blow last year. And if you're not careful, you'll blow a trumpet that has nothing to do with Jesus Christ louder than the one that makes us one. So I challenge you this morning to put down every horn does not make the sound of Jesus Christ because that is the sound of unity that will shake hell and shake this world and let them know that we are one and we will not be divided because their, their goal is to divide and conquer us. Everything hell unleashes on this earth is aimed at the church. I know that there is some collateral damage. I know that there are people that die that the devil just doesn't care about. He's after us. The head is in heaven. He can't touch the head. So what he tries to do is attack the body, and we are the body. So he aims his fiery darts at the body of Christ, and we have to remember to put up the shield of faith and remember to use the offensive weapon that he has given us, which is the sword of the Spirit. We are a mighty people in this world, but you will have to be careful that you don't begin to listen to the agenda of the world. And the agenda of the world is to leave your God and join us, and we refuse to do that. So who are we then in Christ? Galatians chapter 3 verses 26 through 28 tell us this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. 
not through race, not through location, not through denomination. We are saved and we are one in God only through faith. Verse 27, for all of you who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. You see, uh, if I were to show up for work on Monday and I would be wearing my bathrobe, Sheriff Twiggler would have some questions for me. Amen. That is not the uniform of the day. What, what, what are you doing? We all wear the same uniform so that when we are seen, they know that we are one. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we may be different colors and come from different areas, but the word of God says that we are all clothed in Christ. And that is what makes us one. And I promise you, if you receive these words today, you will leave stronger than you are right now because you will know that this church on this corner is not the only outpost that God has in the city. He has others and we are one. Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So what have we learned there? Number one, that we are children of God through faith. It's our faith, not our blood. We don't share the same blood, except some of you do, but we don't share the same blood, but we do share the same faith in Christ, and that is what makes us one. Our common unity or community is made up of those who have clothed themselves in Christ. We are all one in him. And this is one of the most powerful things God ever told me uh, concerning unity. My son, Drayden, who's in children's church, I believe, or either laying down where I can't see him. <laughs> My son, Drayden, was about two years old, I believe, and he had a, a fever one night and was burning hot. And um, I was about to reach my hand over and lay hands on him and pray for him. You know we have that power, right? Because we're clothed in Christ. So just as I was reaching over to pray for him, the Lord stopped me and said this to me, and it rocked my world. It showed me what great unity that we have in Christ. And he says this, he said, you know, Damien, as you reach over to lay your hand on him and pray for him, it's just like me doing it. I was like, wow. Are you for real? Like me? Like when I pray for him, it's no different than if you showed up in the room and prayed for him? Yes. Church, I want you to know that today, that the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, the same spirit that raised him from the dead, lives on the inside of you. So if anybody messes with you, they're messing with the Lord. We are one. If anybody messes with the body of Christ in any region of the world, they're messing with us too because we are one. So how did we get here? How did we become the body of Christ? Where are we all from? We're from one common place. Yes, we were all born in different cities, hospitals, but as it relates to the body of Christ, we all came from one common place. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says this, but you are a chosen people. So that should make you feel good this morning to know that you were chosen. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him 
him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So we were created to praise him. We were removed from darkness, removed from damnation, removed from a trip to hell because he loved us so much and he gave us a purpose. This is my second time uh, doing this message today and singing the same songs again. And I thought to myself, wow, this must be what heaven's like. It just never stops. It just repeats. I get to worship him again. I get to do what I was created to do forever and without death. And I get to do it with people who enjoy it and who are not watching their clocks and saying, ooh, we better call Cracker Barrel and tell them we're on the way. <laughs> There'll be none of that. All right. So we are a chosen people. Verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So here's, here's the deal. None of us have the authority to exclude those who God has chosen because we didn't choose ourselves. None of us can say, oh, they say they're Christians, but mm, they're not. Or we're the only ones that have it right. And you got to look like us, sound like us, worship like us. Number one, you didn't choose you. He chose you. And the one that do, does the choosing, he's the one that knows the reason that he chose. So brothers and sisters, we are the most beautiful, most diverse, most loving, most powerful organization on the face of the earth, and it is the church of Jesus Christ. How strong are we? He said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against this church. No army can say that. Every army has its weaknesses, but we do not, because even even in our weakness, God's grace is there to provide us with his strength. We must also remember that we all started in sin and darkness. I wasn't always a police officer. I even used to drink and drive. I got a DUI in 1997. I used to live in darkness, but God pulled me out of darkness and he turned my life around and he washed me with his blood and filled me with his spirit. And I am not the man I used to be and you are not the people you used to be. See, once we were not a people, but because of God's great love and mercy towards us, he made us one people. My prayer for you today is that you would not allow the devil to ever look at uh, other people in the body of Christ with division. We are one body. I need you and you need me. And that's the way God set it up to be. And it's a beautiful thing. So he called us into his wonderful light to also declare his praises. So, but there is a plan to divide us. There is a plan to divide us, and this plan is multifaceted. This plan is political. This plan is racial. All you have to do is watch them as you see what they're trying to do. And remember what I said from the beginning. Every scheme hatched in hell is aimed directly at the church. So when we say there's so much division in America, we have to know that it's not aimed at Lady Liberty. It's aimed at the Bride of Christ. That's what we have to remember. Everything is against us. So the division that we see in America is actually aimed at the church. And we've got to be careful not to allow that to happen. First Corinthians gives us a warning. 
verses 10 through 13, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, follow, another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? So the question that we must ask ourselves, church, is this. Is Christ divided? Are we one body or are we not? We must know that a kingdom that is divided against itself cannot stand. And so we weaken the church of God when we begin to divide ourselves and think that we are not one body. You see, Jesus is not coming back after multiple brides. It's just one bride. And we are that bride. So my prayer is that all of our prejudices and all of our ignorances would fall to the ground and we will begin to see each other the way that we truly should because when I look at you, I should see Jesus Christ because it's the thing that makes us one. We have been clothed in Christ. We must not fall into the division, but rise up in unity. And we were called out and united to declare the praises of God. But sometimes there is some necessary roughness that may happen. Sometimes we have to be persecuted in order for the power of God to be revealed. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 11 tells us that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side. We were just coming through 2020, so we, we know what this sounds like. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We, as the body of Christ, always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his, may, his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So we must know that although we're called to suffer together, that one day we're going to reign together as well, and that there is a common obedience that we must all share that will release an uncommon glory for God in this world. So there's nothing new under the sun. So the same tactics and demonic agendas that former ruling powers have used in this earth, they will use again. But we must remain united in faith, resolved to obey so that God's glory will be put on display. The spirit of fear would cause us to abandon our love, our power, and our sound mind or self-control. So 2020 was full of fear because it's Satan's greatest tactic against the church to make you afraid. Because if he can make you fearful for your life, then he can control you. I feel like I'm supposed to say that again. If the devil can make us fearful for our lives, then he can control us. 
So when there is mass hysteria, it's easy for government to overreach and begin to cause people to do things they really didn't want to do for the sake of their life being preserved. But I'm here to remind you this morning that life belongs to one. And that one that belongs to is God. And he holds you in the palm of his hand. And there is not one thing in heaven and and earth, under the earth, that can snatch you out of the hand of God because he loves you so very much. So don't let fear cause you to jump out of God's hands and try to handle your own sense of safety on your own. The safest place in the entire world is in the will of God. Remain in his will. We must remember to only be influenced by our common union, which is the spirit of Christ. Now, let's go to Daniel. So that was the appetizer and all the sides. We just scarfed all that down, all right? So here's the meat of the message today. It's found in Daniel chapter 3. As I reminded you that the evil in this world sometimes penetrates ruling powers. And that's, that's who we're really facing uh, as it relates to spiritual warfare. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but demonic powers. And sometimes those demonic powers weasel their way into government and high places so that they may gain authority to make an impact against the church. We are the enemy's ultimate opponent, the church. So we're going to go back to see the life of Daniel here a little bit and see what we can learn from what happened there. We're in Daniel chapter 3 beginning in verse 8. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. So it was made punishable by death to refuse to worship their God and do what they were being told to do. And I don't know how far off we are from that American church. Uh, Our civil liberties are always being attacked. And we don't know how far we are from them saying that it's illegal now to go and worship your God in your churches and to begin to threaten us with death. Because when death is the threat, that's when the sheep scatter. But I'm here to unify you in a time of peace. I'm here to unify you to let you know that do not be afraid that no matter if they make it illegal for us to be the church, they make it illegal for us to worship, even if they make it illegal for us to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we cannot be silent. He is our only hope. He is our salvation. And by no other name can men be saved. And it's easy to amen now. And it's easy to clap now, but when the guns are out and when they say that you can't have food or you can't purchase things if you don't denounce your God, where will your faith be then? Church, build your faith now so that when it comes under attack that you will not bow. Um, God's people stood out in that time because they stood together. The reason the Hebrew boy stood out to them is because they stood together. Let's go on to verse 13 now. 
Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you, rescue you from my hand? Something stood out to me there when I was reading about if you don't bow to the sound. You see, there's a sound that's going on in the earth right now. And I'm not anti-media, but I am anti-lies, okay? And we've got to be careful that when we hear the sound of the things that they're trying to tell us to bow to, that we don't bow to them. They're trying to get us to bow to different things in this world that do not, uh, that we are told not to bow down to. We're not going to bow down to fear. We're not going to bow down to hatred. So when we hear the sound, be careful not to bow. See, we now are living in the days where they call good evil and they call evil good. The king said a willingness to worship the idol would be very good for them. But they knew that it was, a, it was breaking God's commandment. Since they stood together, they were threatened together. And the power of their God was personally challenged. The king said this to them. He wanted to know what God could deliver them from his hand. Let's continue in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we... Do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And I'm sure there was a conversation before they went into this meeting, or there have been none of this we business. Can you imagine being there, and you hadn't talked about it? And you're one of the Hebrew boys, and, and he says, hey, we don't care what you do, throw us all in there. And they're like, hey, man, I didn't, wait, wait a minute, time out. Can we talk about this first? I mean, it's hot. But they were all together. And because they were together, they stood out. And they would not bow. I am begging you, and I'm pleading, I believe, on the Holy Spirit's behalf, that we don't allow anything to divide his church. That we stand together. And I want you to know that uh, Pastor Boquist and myself, we've been talking and there's some things that we want our churches to do in common because we are stronger together. And when they see us together, the, our, our resolve will grow and they will know that there must be a God somewhere. Let's continue. The fear of death, you see, usually scatters people, but they remained and responded together. Church, their answer yesterday is our answer today and tomorrow. Our God can deliver us and our God will deliver us. Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie them up. So we know what happens after this as they take them to the furnace. Those that were commanded to put them in, the fire consumed them. 
So what that lets me know is this. Even before Jesus showed up in the fire, he had already showed up in the Hebrew boys. Because what killed those that were putting them in the fire did not kill them. Before they were in the fire, before Christ showed up in the fire, he showed up in them. Because we know this because what was meant to kill them actually killed those that were putting them in the fire. So then, where was their help? We see that God helped them in that moment, but if we, if we didn't have that revelation, we would say, where was God? Why did he allow them to be thrown into the fire? I thought that they said that he would deliver them from this mess. I believe the reason that God Delayed. the reason that Jesus didn't just deliver them from the fire is the same reason that Jesus delayed when he walked this earth and had a friend that he loved very much named Lazarus. Jesus could have showed up while Lazarus was sick, but he had already healed many people, and this would not have been a great miraculous display because they've seen that one before. But Jesus showed up when Lazarus died to prove that he was who he said he was. He said, I am the resurrection. He is the one that holds life. He can speak to those who are dead and their life will enter them again. And my prayer is this church, 2020 took a lot out of us, but I believe by the power of God and by the faith and the Holy Spirit that's alive in this world, that everything that we lost in 2020 will be restored to us. Our faith, our togetherness, our fellowship, everything that the devil tried to steal, we believe that he must pay it back seven times times. Seven times is the number of perfection. And I'm not yelling at you. I just get a little excited. I forgot to tell the nine o'clock. If you could send an email to those who were here at nine o'clock and tell them I wasn't yelling at them, but I just get a little excited. All right. So that was proof that Jesus Christ was the resurrection. Then we see King Nebuchadnezzar leap to his feet and say, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. So his question was answered right before his eyes. He had asked them, what God can deliver you from my hand? And God showed up in the fire. I'm here to tell you, if your marriage is on the rocks today, that God will show up in the fire. If the doctor has given you a bad medical report and you don't know how long you have to live, I'm telling you, if you look to your left and look to your right, that God is in the fire. Because he said, I will never leave you and never forsake you. We have a God that even when the fire is seven times hotter than it ought to be, is willing to stand in the fire with with us. Can we praise God for that fact this morning? As I conclude this message, we see here at the end of the, uh, the, the passage that, that, that Nebuchadnezzar became a praise and worship leader. <laughs> he 
he says, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree, listen, a new decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god, their god be cut in pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other god can save in this way. He saw it firsthand because they refused to bow. Church, I'm telling you this morning that if we refuse to bow, God will show up and they will see him firsthand. Our great defender, our great Lord will arrive in our greatest hour of need and show himself mighty and show himself strong. So what then is the power of our unity? It is this, that if God be for us, nothing can separate us. I'm going to skip from Romans 8, 31 and drop down to verse 37. And it says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced. And that's what it takes. It takes you being convinced. You can't have a lukewarm attitude towards Jesus Christ. You can't be in today and out tomorrow. You have to be fully resolved and fully convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future or any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to remind you again that fear is one of the greatest tools the enemy uses to get God's people to bow. So what are you afraid of? Whatever you're afraid of, you may bow to one day. So that's why we have to remain common in our faith. A three-quarter strand is not easily broken. About 10 years ago, my wife and I went through something pretty hard. There was a fire in my own life, and I was diagnosed with kidney failure. And uh, my wife was pregnant with my son, Drayden, at the time. And uh, I had been getting sick just about every day and didn't know why. And finally, they did some blood work on me and called me to the hospital. And my doctor, Yukiwi, came into my room. I was wearing my full police uniform. Uh, they called me to the emergency room and said, uh, Mr. Tibbs, your kidneys may be failing. But that was a very graceful and nice way to say it because my kidneys had actually already failed. I had just about no kidney function at all. And that's the reason I would have to throw up every day is to get toxins out of my body. So that night at the hospital, I prayed. Nothing will make you pray like trouble. I prayed that night, and I believe there was an open heaven there at the hospital as I was in St. Rita's on the uh, sixth floor of the K building, I believe. And my belief was that in the morning, the doctor would come into the room and say, Mr. Tibbs, we're sorry. Uh, we read your blood work wrong. Just uh, kind of stay away from the donuts, you know. And other than that, you'll be fine. But that's not what they said. They said, we're going to have to rush you to emergency surgery. You need to start dialysis right away because you will die without dialysis or a transplant. I was afraid. I did not bow, but I did buckle. And that's what I think a lot of us have done today. We've buckled. We haven't bowed all the way, but we sure have buckled. And they rolled me up to dialysis, which is a four-hour process. And 
that's when I began to weep. That's when I lost it. That's, that was my in the fire moment, in the flames moment, where I could feel the heat licking against my life. My wife, again, was pregnant at the time, and I didn't know if I'd even live long enough to see my son. So I began to weep. Felt so alone, though I wasn't. They rolled me back down to the hospital room all by myself. There should have been a counselor waiting for me. But there was no physical counselor there, but there was a spiritual one. The Holy Spirit entered my room and the Lord spoke to me and said, Damien, my grace is sufficient for you. And yes, I praise God for that answer, but that's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted, Damien, rise up and walk. But no, the flames kept burning. And what I knew in that moment was this, that I was going to have to go through this fiery trial, but I wouldn't go through it alone. A couple years later, I get a phone call from my brother, Carlos, my older brother, and he said that he would be willing to give me a kidney. So if it was not for my brother's kidney that sits right here in my body right now, I would not be alive. You see, because I am united with the love of my brother Carlos, I stand here alive. And because God sent his only begotten son to die for our sins, to bleed for our transgressions, we have been called out of darkness into his wonderful light, and we are now one. May nothing separate the love of God. May nothing separate us as the family and the church of God. Yes, you have a different name than my church, but we still serve the same Lord. May nothing separate us. No politics, no agendas, no skin colors. Will you bow your head today? Father, I thank you for the word that you've given me to give your people, and I pray that it sticks. I pray that these seeds be planted deeply within them and the continued wonderful ministry of this church would come along and water those seeds because it is only you that can get the glory when something grows. So may unity grow in Lima. May the weeds of division be plucked up and thrown into the same fire that was sent to destroy us. I pray that we would come to the hour, God, that your church would rise up and begin to see that we are all just in different dressing rooms. We're the same bride of Christ, but we're all in just different buildings getting ready. So Lord, may we be one. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word. We pray your blessing upon this congregation. I pray that you would allow us to see with our eyes what we have heard today by the power of your spirit. Father, we just repent collectively right now for all those things that we allowed to divide us. Those earthly passions, God, those earthly pursuits that made us choose sides against our brothers and sisters. I pray for great unity to be, Father God, instilled back into us through your Son. Now, Father, I pray you will dismiss us in your great grace. May we go and be your people 
May we love and give and forgive as we have been given to and forgiven and loved. Bless my friend, bless his church, and bless the body of Christ in Lima, Ohio. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.